Morning, everybody. Happy hump day. Welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's political editor, John Stevens. Morning, John. Hey, morning, Susie. Uh, and please join me in wishing our producer, Will, a speedy recovery from COVID. He's behind the scenes. He's coming to work today, struggling manfully with your comments and the tech and everything. He's just had flu last week, too. So please wish him well. Uh, now, this is the People's Pay-Per-View, so get into the comments, ask us your questions, gently, of course, so Will can deal with them. Um, those of you listening later on podcast just going to have to tell someone else how they think the first year of Rishi Sunak's premiership has gone. So, what have we got for you today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on a rather troubling investigation into a company linked to the family of road rage killer Kenneth Noy, which is subject to complaints after trading in carbon credits, the benefits of which don't seem to have materialised for the residents of the Amazon rainforest they are purporting to help. That's a gripping read, a great investigation by our colleague Tom Pettifer. There is a YouTube video all about it, which you can find on the Mirrors page on YouTube. So go and check out what Noy and his lot have allegedly been up to. It's very interesting. And Tom did get to go to Brazil for the other end of it, which is a hell of a place for a crime editor to be doing a door knock. Now, first, I want to take us to page 20, where a banking regulator has recommended, get this, lifting the cap on bonuses, which at the moment limits the city fat cats to a bonus just twice their salary. Poor flowers. John, take us through this. Why, 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 why do they think that bankers actually need more money? Yeah, so this is an idea that was first put forward by Liz Trust. Remember her oh. back in her mini budget last oh. year? And basically, she ends up ditching everything in her mini budget, apart from a couple of things. And one of the things that did survive was this getting rid of the cap on bankers' bonuses. And it's basically some EU legislation that came in in 2014, as you say, restricting bonuses to uh, twice a banker's salary. It was introduced after the financial crisis in 2008. So it came in in 2014. Obviously, we left the EU, so it's now up to the UK whether they stay with that restrictions or they get rid of them. And there's some people in the city who are saying, well, this makes it much more difficult for us to recruit talented people from around the world. It's putting us at a competitive disadvantage to other banking uh, strongholds, places like New York. However, I think a lot of people will be asking questions about whether this is really necessary at a time when a lot of people are struggling with the cost of living crisis. A lot of people, even on pretty all right salaries, are struggling to make ends meet because of the massive rise in prices in shops and things like mortgage rates. Mm. The question, why is the government really concentrating so much of its focus on things like this, helping wealthy bankers? And also be questioning, will this actually boost the economy? Yeah, it might make some fairly well-off people even more well-off. But the idea that this is suddenly going to provide some sort of boost for everyday normal families, I think is slightly questionable. Yeah, it does seem a bit bizarre. And um, I suppose the idea of that making it more competitive is that we attract bankers away from the EU, because if they were based in the EU, they would have limits to their, their bonuses. But, you know, we're in that part of the world. We are on the continental shelf. And if that's what Europe's doing... It probably is quite a, maybe a good idea. Mike says the bonus cap was introduced to stop bankers taking silly risks with our money just to boost their bonuses. Removing it could lead to another crash. Is Sunak doing this just to appease the Trussites? 
in his party. There is um, a report, I think that's true actually, John, isn't there, of um, that Liz Truss, when the autumn statement comes out next month, she's reportedly going to have a shadow autumn statement of her own to suggest what she would do, lifting bankers' bonus caps, as you said, is very much in her wheelhouse. So is Rishi Sunak, do you think, is he just following it because that's what her and her end of the party are talking about? Or is he going to discipline her, you know, for fomenting the divisions in the party? Because basically you've got two policy platforms within the government. You can't have that, surely. I think that Rishi Sunak is under quite a bit of pressure from his own MPs. As you say, we're going to have the autumn statement next month. That's when the Chancellor will set out his tax and spending plans for the months ahead. And particularly after those by-election losses last week in Tamworth, in Bedfordshire, there's a lot of people on the Tory side saying something's not going right here. Um, and obviously, when something's not going right, usually Tory MPs just go back to suggesting what they thought all along. So there are a lot of people on the Tory backbenches who are saying that there is a problem with taxes, that under Rishi Sunak, we've ended up in a situation where the tax burden is the highest it's been since the Second World War. I'm not quite sure that Liz Truss is really the best person to get that message across both to someone like Rishi Sunak, but both to the public. As I say, there's so many people now who are struggling with their mortgages. Mm -hmm. In the um, This year alone, there's a million people who come off their fixed mortgage, fixed rate mortgage deals. And anyone who is going through that knows that the new rate that you're being offered is nowhere near what it used to be. And so there are a lot of people paying the cost of what happened with Liz Truss as prime minister still. And so it's just incredibly brazen that she thinks she can go out there and say, uh, this is what I would do differently, when there is a very big reason why she didn't last that long as Prime Minister. And that's because she sent the economy into complete mayhem. Exactly. But why why wouldn't Rishi put her back in her box? I mean, as leader of a party, he's got to kind of, he can't have two people suggesting different budgets. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how much attention it gets. Obviously, at Tory party conference, it was quite interesting that she turned out, she gave this speech. There were queues around the block, people wanting uh, to hear what she had to say. And she ended up signing some copies of her mini budget for <sighs> some of her super fans, which I think is um, highly inappropriate. And anyone who's... Surely a collector's is, item in a few years, though. Maybe, <laughs> but the idea that you could do something cause so much damage and think, oh, yeah, then I'll just copy, uh, sign some copies of that for my biggest fans is uh, pretty strange. I don't know. I think um, it's not helpful for Rishi Sunak. It's not helpful politically because every time it, she pops up, she reminds people of what the Tory party have done to the economy. I think that Rishi Sunak would be desperate for her to kind of go into a period of silence, try and hope that people forget as much as possible what happened over the last couple of years. But that's not going to be easy when you've got her popping up every few months to have her say. No, exactly. She keeps wanting to do And we still haven't heard about some of her. We have, I think, heard about her peers, haven't we? Um, but this all comes in. I mean, what do you think, everybody? Right Before we move on to the next thing, what do you think? Do you think uh, Liz Truss has got a point here that bankers' bonuses in some way are something that does trickle down to us and we can benefit from? Do you think she, we do need a period of silence from her, as Rishi Sunak probably wants? Um, Ali says he needs all the powers he can get, so he's pandering to this crazy lady. There was another comment talking about how the Tories just 
feathering their own nests before they leave office. Rachel there said that. Um, and this all does come in the same week that the Joseph Roundtree Foundation said that the number of people who are destitute in the UK has jumped by 60% in the past three years to 3.8 million people. And that includes a million children. And a lot of the reason for that increase is the cost of living crisis. Morning, Melissa in Texas. The cost of living crisis, which is driven by high inflation, in part from the war in Ukraine, but energy prices, but also, John, a lot of that inflation was linked to the bankers' bonuses that were capped, which drove up the average pay rise statistics, thereby drove up prices for everyone and drove up all the other wage demands as well by other people and unions and strikes and so on. Why in God's name does anyone think that moving that dial even further, potentially, you know, infinitely, is going to help those at the bottom of the heap? If, if, if paying people at the top of the heap is has caused a lot of the problems we've got with the cost of living and inflation, why would anyone want to do that more now? It doesn't seem like the right time, does it? Yeah, and it doesn't seem that long ago that we're hearing from the governor of the Bank of England was saying to employers they should show restraint when looking at people's pay. Uh, every time it's been suggested that people in the public sector, people like nurses, doctors, teachers should get pay rises. Then we hear from government ministers that if they did do that, it would be inflationary and would lead spiral down to um, prices going up and up and up. I mean, to be clear, bankers' bonuses aren't something that are paid by taxpayers, although I think we've still got some stake in some of the banks we took over during the financial crisis. But on the whole, bankers' bonuses aren't paid by taxpayers. However, if you're saying that putting up normal people's wages is going to be inflationary, I think it's pretty clear that it is going to have a negative effect on inflation as well if you put up bankers' bonuses. Yeah, uh, but, you know, the Bank of England generally seems to be all right with bankers' bonuses going up, but not so much nurses, put it that way. Paul says, I assume that Sunak's wife will get a percentage of the bankers' bonuses. I don't know that she does. She's not a banker. Um, she's not married to a banker and he's not currently operating as a banker. Um, but it's one of those things where I think if you have a lot of money, it doesn't really seem to matter what happens in the city. You you benefit in the long run anyway. Uh, and I think the Sunday Times Rich List managed to report last year that while the Sunak's family wealth had dropped by £500,000 a day, uh, after the war in Ukraine, um, obviously that didn't really, they didn't even notice. They're so rich, they don't notice losing half a million pounds a day. That's the situation they're in. Not the situation the rest of us are in. I think if I lost half a million pounds overnight, I would feel it on Monday morning. Now, speaking of how Rishi handles things, it is a whole year since he became prime minister. It seems like so much longer, doesn't it? Uh, and he stood on the steps of Downing Street and promised us a government of integrity, professionalism and accountability at every level. Now, you've written a school report for him in the paper today, John. Can you tell us where we've seen any integrity, professionalism or accountability? Because I seem to have missed it. Yeah, I think that is one of the bits where he has really struggled. There are a lot of Tory MPs who were hoping, well, a lot of Tory MPs, lots of ordinary members of the public were hoping after the chaos of Boris Johnson and Liz Trust that Rishi Sunak would be able to draw a line under all of that mayhem and would bring a period of calm but partly thanks to the collection of people he decided to make ministers we have seen the continuation of sleaze scandals remember dominic raab the deputy mm. prime minister who was kicked out over bullying gavin williamson lasted just two weeks in the cabinet before he got removed over bullying claims 
And then we had Nadine Zahawi, who was the Tory party chairman until it turned out that he may have not been quite upfront about his taxes. And so there has been this steady flow of rows. And then remember Rishi Sunak himself has had his own problems with sleeves. Uh, there was when he got fined for not wearing the seatbelt in the back of the car. There's when he got told off by the Commons uh, sleeves watchdog for not properly declaring his wife's shares in a childcare firm that was going to benefit from announcements his government had made. And I think that you look at, he really did have an opportunity to show he was a new broom and a break from the past by taking on Boris Johnson when that report came out over his party gate lies and instead rather than do that Rishi Sunak decided to sit on his hands so I think on the idea of integrity professionalism and accountability things haven't been going great but with all school reports you've got to find something that is a bit positive I think <laughs> Brexit is one of the areas where it has obviously there's still a lot of problems with Brexit but one of the areas that had been a real nightmare had been those uh, negotiations with Brussels over trade arrangements for Northern Ireland. That is somewhere where we did finally see progress. He held those talks with Ursula von der Leyen, the EU uh, Commission Chief uh, in Windsor. They signed this thing called the Windsor Framework to sort that out. So there has been some positive moves. But you look at a lot of the areas that affect normal people, things like NHS waiting lists, schools. Mm crime um all of those things aren't particularly going that well at all you look at prisons now fell to bursting we don't have room to lock up all the people that we would have done in the past school you've obviously had the rat crisis it's now more than 200 schools but it's found there's been dodgy concrete and then nhs one of his big promises at the start of the year was that he's going to bring down waiting lists and actually the numbers keep going up and up and up I think we're now at 7.7 .7 million people waiting for operations and if you're one of those people who've been waiting for months and months and months possibly years for something like a hip operation that is complete misery yeah very much so and kind of thing that makes you housebound and increases the general cost of living and uh, makes your conditions worse as well i would have thought now steve says morning steve sunak will always pander to the rich while refusing to meet the nuclear test veterans and their families we do not create wealth for him don't make many votes either, perhaps, Steve, which is part of the trouble. Um, I mean, there are a number of things which are, are on Rishi's desk, which he could arguably do something about and, and look better for. I mean, what do you think, everybody? How do you think Rishi's first year has gone? Has he done his best with a very difficult situation? He did inherit an absolute skip fire, didn't he? Um, has he done well considering, do you think? Or has he just managed to mishandle the whole thing? I mean, the grades you've given him, John, are Fs and Ds. You know, he's failed at sleaze, as you said. He's lost quite a lot of by-elections as well, largely because of the behaviour of the previous Tory incumbents, which has all been fairly sleazy. Um, he's doing pretty badly at maths because halving inflation, which he may be on course to do, is not quite the same thing as bringing prices back down. I and mean, as you report, there are a bag of sugar 60% more than it was last year. So, you know, people are still paying very high prices. And of course, he's flunked engineering because of the, the roofs of public buildings are in serious danger of falling down after a decade of maintenance cutbacks, a lot of which he was responsible for. I mean, it is probably quicker to ask if there's anything he's done well at. And I suppose the best you can say about him is he has actually managed to turn up and he's outlasted lettuce, hasn't he? He's been there for more than 49 days. Let's give the man a round of applause. 
Yeah, I mean, he is still there. I mean, we've got to the year point, he is still there. But I think that many voters, particularly in those areas that voted Tory for the first time in 2019, those areas we call the Red Wall areas, a lot of those when they voted in 2019 were told that levelling up was going to completely transform their areas, that were going to get all this attention that had been neglected for years on end, that they were finally going to have investment and have their areas turned around. And instead of getting that, we saw those announcements at Tory conference on HS2 cancelling it. And they said they were going to spend 36 billion on all these different roads and rail projects. But I think there is a lot of cynicism around those that many of these bypasses have been promised many times before have never actually mm. happened. And I think that one of the problems the Tories have got is when a lot of people look around their local high street, they think that, well, they're not, they aren't particularly better off than they were before. There were a lot of empty shops. We know that some big retailers have gone bust, people like will concerns um and so yeah i think a lot of people when they think about their own local area they just think mm, not much has changed for the better in the last few years once since uh that 2019 election and as you say i think when you look at the poll numbers the tories are trailing labor still richardson was obviously hoping that he'd come in bring some stability and that he'd be able to turn that around. And that's not really happened. And you look at something like the Tory party conference, which usually might be an opportunity to get some attention from people who aren't always paying attention to politics. But you look at the announcements, what did he say? He said he was going to cancel HS2. He said that he might muck around with A-levels and T-levels in about 10 or 12 years' time. And he said that it was going to gradually raise the age of smoking. And I think for a lot of people, those are not going to be the issues that decide the next election. What is going to decide the election is whether they feel better or worse off in their pocket. And despite inflation gradually coming down, prices aren't coming down and mortgages, rents, everything else continues to go up. And I think that a lot of people think, well, I don't really feel better off at all. No. Well, what did you agree, everybody? Has the past year been for you? Alan wants a general election right now. Um, I mean, Annie says it's a shambles. I have a few F's and D's for him myself. Have a general election right now. Do you think, is there anybody out there who thinks their life has improved in the past year? I think even Mrs. Sunak will probably say she's got poorer in the past year because she's had to start paying tax. Um, but what do you think, everybody? Is there is there anything we can say that things have changed? Or generally speaking, in the past year, have you managed to get a little bit poorer? I mean, when Rishi Sunak took over, I think his personal approval poll ratings were about minus three, John. And today they're about minus 20. I mean, when Keir Starmer faces him at the dispatch box, today Sunak's probably going to want to talk to him about Gaza and Israel because that's causing him some problems within the Labour Party but Starmer is going to want to go on what you've just written which basically which is Keir Starmer's school report for the past year isn't it? Yeah I think that's probably quite likely I mean the last couple of PMQs have been pretty um not sure sedate is the word, but they've not been as hostile as sometimes PMQs can be. That's because there is a lot of agreement on both the Tory and the Labour side on the situation in Gaza and how, you know, Israel obviously has suffered this horrific attack. They've got the right to defend themselves. There's questions about what they do to defend themselves, though, uh, and that has caused more disagreement. But I think as it does mark one year today, I think it is probably quite likely you will hear some sort of reference to that from Keir Starmer. And I think that there's plenty of ammunition there on different things that haven't gone particularly well in the last year that he could choose from to highlight.
Yeah, exactly. Now, it's also, it's got to be said, as many people will point out, I mean, Steve says, I've seen my family's money shrink in real terms. It's harder to keep the lights on now than ever it was. Um, some people, a lot of people point out, of course, that Rishi was unelected. He's kind of taken the job of head prefect without any particular mandate. In fact, he's ripped up some of the manifesto from 2019, having not been elected to his position by anybody very much. Ricky says, my mortgage has increased £200 a month. Thank you, Lionel Rishi. <laughs> uh, it may be uh, Liz, Liz Trust that you've got to thank for that. Um, and in his position as head prefect, I suppose, one of his jobs might be to sort of rein in the behaviour of some of the more troubling elements in the school, uh, like Suella Braverman, like Nadine Dorries, like Liz Truss, people who are doing things that they, you know, cause problems for the party. Uh, but under his leadership, you know, how's the party doing in general? It, internally in parliament what do you see are they are they match fit for a general election i know what you're going to say to that one i think no is the answer <laughs> to that one um and i think the closer we get to election if you don't start to see the polls narrowing then a lot of tory mps will obviously be worried about their own jobs and i think that's when you might get the rouse getting even more other problems potentially down the road uh, the Rwanda scheme, we're still waiting to hear from the Supreme Court whether that is allowed to go ahead or not. I think that if the Supreme Court says it's not able to go ahead, then you will have calls from some within the Tory party on whether we leave the European Convention of Human Rights. And I think that will be a really divisive issue for the Tory party because there will be some MPs on the Tory side who said that would be a great um, uh, idea. There'll be some MPs on the Tory side who think that would be absolutely awful and be going way too far. And I think that would cause massive splits within the Tory party themselves. I think there's a whole load of issues that you will see rouse on the closer we get to the election if you haven't started to see things start to turn around. Exactly. And then it's a in the question of whether or not he he leaves it a bit longer in the hope that something will, will turn some kind of event will happen that will turn the situation around for him and he can save a few seats or maybe even get to hung parliament or he goes sooner and limits the damage to the Conservative Party reputation for a generation. We'll have to see, won't we? If Rishi Sunak does at least, I suppose we could say, if we're being a positive teacher, you have to give these things called a a thingy sandwich. We have good stuff at the beginning, the terrible news in the middle, and some good stuff again at the end to make it a bit more palatable to the snowflake students. He does do his homework, but it's got to be said he doesn't seem to have many working class friends, and not much has really changed for Rishi Sunak, I think, in uh, not only in his period in school, but also over the past 30 years. He's pretty much the same as he's always been. Um, but get us into comments, anybody, if you've got any. Oh, you thought you were going to end on a good thing there, Susie. Well, was, he, um... he does his homework. There you go. <laughs> he does his homework and he turns up. But he's he's in a helicopter, so we can't really complain that the bus was late, can he? Now, <clears throat> get into the comments, everybody, if you want to have anything else you want to say about Wishes next first year in power. Uh, well, perhaps only year in power. We'll have to see how it goes, won't we? Uh, but first off, oh, Steve's back again. The Tories can't win a general election as they are. Their only hope would be a leadership change, but that probably wouldn't work either. I think at this stage, Steve, if they had another leader, the whole bloody country would be out on the streets because that's just not, not going to go. They've had three in about two years, or no, one year even. So it's, it's not going to swing, I think, another leader. I don't think they've got anyone left who wants the job anyway. Uh, but first off, we have found some good news in the world, and here it is. Now, speaking of how to get match fit, there is some good news. 
and apparently it doesn't take very much to do so. Now, research from the Arctic University of Norway, which apparently does exist, uh, into 12,000 over 50s has found that office workers who spend long periods of each day sitting down will live longer if they do just 22 minutes of exercise a day. And even better, it doesn't even need to be going for a run. It doesn't need to be a lot of exercise, just a stroll, a spot of exercise, going some, doing some housework, going walking to the shops and back. The British Heart Foundation even says that cooking a meal from scratch can contribute to it because you're standing up and moving about, right? John, is this proof that our terribly unhealthy lives of sitting down at keyboards all day could potentially be offset by regularly getting up to walk to the biscuit tin? Um, I think possibly not. Uh, <laughs> often you're going to the biscuit tin, where you're going and spending 22 minutes a day going to and fro. I can do um, that. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, it's obviously good news if you're doing more than 22 minutes. If you're not, it's potentially bad news because it's suggesting that you won't be able to um, live it long. Uh, but yeah, I think just basic things are just generally make you feel better. I'm someone who got a dog during COVID, so have to do way more than 22 minutes of walking the dog every day. And I just think that's something just quite helpful, not just for um, physical health, but just mental health, just having that hour at the start of the day where you just go and do something, you're not particularly thinking about anything in particular, you are just walking the dog. And I just think that's just quite helpful for processing things and just, um, I mean, it's just something to do that's not the frantic commute of going to work and thinking about mm. work. It's just that hour in the day where you've got just a bit of time before properly getting started. Just a little bit of reset helps enormously. Alan says biscuits are my downfall. Mine too, I'm afraid, particularly Jaffa cakes, custard creams, anything with chocolate in. Rachel says it's a great show. Thank you, Rachel. I do think if you put the biscuit tin at the end of the garden or at the back of a mm. cupboard or something, it takes more physical effort to get there. Perhaps if you can do that maybe 20 mm. times a day, which I easily, easily do, then I, I would hit my target. And as long as you don't eat a biscuit every time you get there, but then that kind of negates it again, doesn't it? But, you know, if the Arctic University of Norway are looking into it, they're welcome to come around and see <laughs> and judge my health over life. Um, thank you very much, John, for taking us through all that. Uh, well done, Rishi, for outlasting a lettuce. You've, you've managed to impress us on that level, if none other. And thank you, everyone, for taking part. If you're listening on podcast, please leave us a review. Go and check out the Mirror's YouTube page to see the video about what Kenneth Noy and his family have apparently been up to. And we will see you again next Monday for another edition of the News Agenda. Till then, everybody. Tatty bye. <laughs>